The Supreme Court's recent opinions on vaccine mandates reminds us that when government gives, it also controls. And that apparently the highest judges in the land believe that any crazy old thing can become law so long as it could get through Congress. We're discussing how far we've gotten from the founders' original design for this republic. I'm Paul Dragu, and this is Freedom is the Cure. Everyone in the land had been waiting for the Supreme Court to decide on two vaccine mandate cases. There's never been anything like this in the history of America. The presidential administration, with the support of millions, believes all Americans should be coerced into ejecting a COVID-19 shot into their bodies. And to some degree, its bullying has worked. As companies and local governments have fallen in line with this attitude, people all over the land have gotten a shot, not necessarily because they wanted it, but because they wanted basic liberties, like going to a restaurant or keeping their jobs. On the other side are Americans who still believe that free people should have a choice in this sort of thing, a choice that doesn't force them to choose between basic liberties and their jobs. This is America. We shouldn't have to make that sort of choice. And many Americans still recognize this. And after all, our bodies are complicated things, and so are these concoctions they want to put in them. And once we put these powerful chemicals in our bodies, it's not like we can just take them out if they break. This isn't like putting a faulty alternator in your car. You can't just go back to the shop and ask for one that doesn't kill you. So it's up to the Supreme Court to make the decisions that would reveal just how free they think we really are. One case was about whether the government can force large private employers to force employees to, be, to get the shot. The court's opinion on the matter is no, it can't. The other was about whether the government can force health facilities that receive federal money to force its employees to get vaccinated. The court's opinion is yes. Today I'm talking to my colleagues at the John Birch Society, Christian Gomez and Peter Rykowski of the Research Department, about why constitutionalists should be concerned with both decisions. Hey guys. Hey Paul, great to be on. Well, thank you for coming on. So the majority opinion on the healthcare workers mandate essentially said that facili facilities that take federal dollars have to follow the Fed's rules. In one instance, the judges point out that this is nothing new. Quote, healthcare facilities that wish to participate in Medicare and Medicaid have always been obligated to satisfy a host of conditions. Christian, is this what we get for letting the federal government get involved in our healthcare? I guess so. It's um, anytime you let, anytime you invite the government to to be involved in something, it always comes with, sting, with strings attached, which usually comes in the form of government control. So when you um, make the excuse that you need government to provide health care for um, uh, those who are under income or disabled or old age and require assistance, uh, the government is going to dictate how that health care is serviced, how payments are made. Um, uh, what the cost is. I mean, you, you're, you're essentially, in, it's like a Trojan horse. You're inviting in the government, and once they're in, um, they're pretty much in control. This, this point was made repeatedly, if, if I, I mean, if I remember reading it correctly, right? Peter, you read both opinions, right? Yes. Uh, they made it pretty clear over and over that this is what you get. Like, when CMS is involved, you have to follow the rules. Yeah, I mean, this, that's what the court said. They said that, you know, if Congress had passed this law, which 
gave uh, the Department of Health and Human Services the authority to set these conditions for what uh, healthcare facilities need to follow in order to get the Medicaid and Medicare funding. So the court, it was the three, you know, far left, ideologically leftist judges plus Roberts and Kavanaugh uh, saying, you know, hey, you know, you can, you know, the federal government can actually mandate that these health facilities force their employees to get the shot in order to get funding. So this is now affecting uh, 17 million healthcare workers and 50,000 providers. Wow. So it's really a far-reaching uh, decision, at least practically speaking. The opinion said that there are facilities where 35% of healthcare workers are not vaccinated. The CDC estimates that number lower. I believe it's around 25%. Um, do we have what is what's the math equal to? That's a lot of healthcare workers who, for some reason, who have been around us now for nearly two years, have said no, we don't want this. That's that's really telling, isn't it? Yeah, I mean it's really revealing that the people who regularly deal with healthcare, who regularly um, you know deal with medical decisions, they're refusing to get the shot. I mean under the you know under the leftist logic, they would be the ones most wanting to right. get the shot, but they're not. So it's very revealing, you know, that they're the ones refusing to do so. And now under this court ruling, they're really the only ones who are being really forced to do so largely, right. at least on the federal level. And, and it's not a leftist talking point is that those who dissent from this narrative that they've created are such a small majority 25, whether it's 25% or 35%, is not a small number of people who are around us to say, no, no, I don't want this. Did you read anything in the dissenting opinion on, on, on that case uh, that you wanted to bring up that you thought maybe was encouraging or that you liked? Well, it was encouraging to some extent that there were three justices, four justices who disagreed. So... You know, it's obviously not a majority, but, uh, you know, if this case happened, say, in the, you know, 70s or 80s, when uh, the, the court system was even more ideologically leftist than today, uh, it would have been far, far fewer than four justices dissenting. So it was, I think, uh, Justice Thomas and Alito who wrote dissenting opinions, and then uh, two other justices joined. It's gotten better on, on the court, but it's still very, very far from, yeah. uh, from having a true constitutionalist. Well, it's good majority. to hear that because usually we're like, oh, everything's gotten you know, worse, more leftist, more crazy. Yeah, well, I think this just um, is just another example of why we shouldn't rely on the courts to um, um, save us because even with a, uh, as the mainstream media likes to term it, a conservative majority court, which in reality is nothing more than a, a Republican-appointed majority court, um, that, that, which you know, isn't necessarily conservative, obviously. Uh, look, look at how they ruled in, in, uh, in the case here with uh, uh, nurses. How does this empower individual liberty? How is this uh, constitutional? I mean, so uh, ultimately, at the, uh, at the end of the day, we should be um, not relying on the courts to uh, fix these problems. We should be, you know, the states need to 
reclaim the power they have in the Constitution through the Tenth Amendment and the an Article Six to nullify uh, federal orders, rules, regulations, including court um, including court uh, rulings from the Supreme Court, which are totally unconstitutional. Well. Is the Department of Health and Human Services, the Federal Department of Health and Human Services, is that even constitutional? It's it's totally unconstitutional. I mean, <laughs> Jump I, in, I, Peter. I, I, I was thinking, how do I say this? I sound like a broken record. I mean, <laughs> just the Constitution's just a few pages long, and you know, almost over eighty percent of what the federal government does today is totally not constitutional. Why? Why? I think it'd be nobody... easier to talk about what is constitutional. Right. Why does nobody get that? Why is there such a hunger to federalize everything? This is the design of the insiders. This is the plan, the plan for it. I mean, this is what totalitarians do. You have totalitarians at the top, and they are always seeking excuses to solidify power, to expand the size of government, because they want to be in control, and they want to make sure um, that their power keeps growing to keep themselves uh, uh, in power. And this is what, this is the... The objective of the deep state and the insiders is. Yeah. Well, you know, when when people perhaps hear that, you know, we're like, it's unconstitutional to have the Department of Health and Human Services. We're not against the Department of Health and Human Services or health care, some sort of semi-centralized health care. We're just not. We're just not for it to be federal. Right. The states have the power to do this. Correct. Some of these these things that they want to do. Yeah, I mean, Article One, Section 8 of the Constitution is the portion of the Constitution that actually uh, says which powers the Congress actually has. And health care is not in that section, along with, you know, nearly everything else that the federal <laughs> government is currently doing. It's, right. not, it's not in there. It's not listed as an enumerated power. And then, you know, put that alongside with the Tenth Amendment. You know, Tenth Amendment says anything that's not delegated the federal government is reserved to the states or the people, you know, so looking at the Constitution, there's absolutely nothing that justifies, you know, federal Department of Health and Human Services or nearly any other agency, you know, whether it's education or home and security or anything else like that. Most of these things belong on the state, local, or even personal level. Right. Yeah, uh, the, as a matter of principle, health care um, with regard to healthcare, the government should have no role in healthcare, including state governments. Even this should be up to the private sector uh, to facilitate and manage and and provide. And of course, when you look at how healthcare was in America a hundred years before, before there was even state involvement, you had. Uh, I mean, l- most of the large hospitals in America are uh, Methodist Hospital, Baptist Hospital, Catholic Hospital, because they were founded by churches and and church organizations. Um, and healthcare uh, for those who were poor, uh, of low income, for those who um, uh, disabled or very elderly, was typically always provided uh, charitably um, by the churches. But now it, it's, it would be hard to go back to that system right now because you have you have government involved so heavily now that, that it has inflated the cost of healthcare to the point where uh, charity alone. Um, from a lot of those organizations would not cover some medical bills today that are like in the hundreds of thousands of dollars uh, for certain procedures and cases. But this is the result of steady government intervention gradually growing over time. And the best way to overcome this is to gradually deconstruct the total state, which is what we have today. You had mentioned the private sector. Um, 
obviously we're, we're not uh, prophets here, but I, I would think that this is going to prompt a lot of people in healthcare to to start going toward uh, private healthcare. Have you guys any thoughts on that? Yeah, well, regarding that, uh, Medicaid, you know, is one of the two programs uh, that this ruling uh, dealt with. And Medicaid, I mean, it began under Lyndon Johnson with this Great Society programs, but it was really massively expanded under Obamacare, where pretty much anyone uh, whose income was, was like a third above the poverty level could, you know, just just get Medicaid, could just be on Medicaid. Mm -hmm. uh, so, you know, originally, you know, the criteria was stricter, you know, but then, you know, the states uh, had the, were given the option to expand it or not, and many states, even many Republican states, you know, whether it be, you know, yeah. like Oklahoma or Montana mm -hmm. or Indiana, et cetera, they all decided to uh, go along with the federal government and, and expand Medicaid. Yeah. So, you know, the dependency on these big federal government welfare programs is going up. So now the, so now these healthcare facilities, if they want to get off of Medicaid or Medicare, it becomes a lot harder because they're becoming increasingly dependent on these programs. So, you know, if there's any time to get independent of that, you know, it's right now because these programs are going to grow yeah. even more. Huh. I think what we're going to say rather than uh, doctors and nurses going into private medical care because um, the, the, uh, the rather than seeing that happen, which probably really won't happen too much. You don't think so? I don't think so. Uh, I think what we're going to see instead is just shortages in terms of nurses. You're going to have nurses we're who... We're already seeing that. Yeah, who or we're going to see more of it now that the Supreme Court has ruled this way because you're going to have states that have no political willpower to... Uh, try to circumvent or d diminish the court ruling in any way. They're just going to carry it out, even many Republican states. So what's going to happen is you're going to have nurses who they're going to be forced to either get the jab or not. And uh, those who say, you know what, I'm not going to take it. It isn't worth it. They're going to leave the field of, of, of nursing altogether. So you're going to see greater sh shortages. And we're already seeing in certain places. Right. I, think, I think in the state of New Mexico, where the National Guard is being asked uh, to um, be um, to, to to help with the classrooms in terms of shortages of teachers that are leaving. Is that really of sickness. a thing? I haven't oh, seen that. Yeah, New Mexico, and of course we've already saw in New York with um, with hospitals and in, in many cases upstate New mm. York, Buffalo, etc., where the National Guard has had to come in and 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 to supplement the lack of um, uh, doctors and nurses because of mainly uh, the enforcement of a vaccine requirement. So that's what we're going to see. I mean, the part of the incentive for hospitals to take uh, Medicaid is the large customer uh, clientele base that you get. I mean, as Peter mentioned, you know, with Obamacare, they expanded Medicaid uh, to 133% um, uh, mm -hmm. of regards to the, the poverty line. So now up to a third over poverty line can now qualify. So you have millions of Americans, right. millions of Americans that are um, dependent on Medicaid. They will continue to go to facilities, hospitals and clinics that take Medicaid. Uh, and if you have less nurses there, well, that's, that's a crisis that's being induced uh, by the government. So going into private uh, sector, 
uh, healthcare could be an option for some nurses, but how many facilities in the United States do not take Medicaid at all? I mean, we have some assisted livings and nursing homes for wealthier clientele. Mm-hmm. You have maybe, you know, obviously, uh, you could be a nurse at an office that does plastic surgery. Uh, you know, th- these kind of cares that the government is typically yeah. not involved with. Uh, but for the most, you, you have a lot, a lot of number of nurses who are not going to find uh, um, in places like that. There are some, of course, but not a lot for the millions of nurses who uh, do not wish to be uh, jabbed. Well, I guess the reason I'm saying that is also with you know we saw with with the narrative, the the pro vaccine narrative, and and all the the agenda on on COVID, we saw lots of independent doctors and experts rise up, you know, like frontline doctors and and some that we've had on the New American, Dr. Peter McCullough and Dr. Robert Malone and whatnot, rise up and and, uh, against this this tide. And I was just thinking, it's like there's, I'm thinking there's some momentum now, and and I can't imagine as Americans that they're just not going to, they're 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 not going to simply opt out. They're going to say we're going to go and we're going to open private practices and treat people because this is what we love doing. But like you said, I guess it remains to be seen, and it is going to be tough. It's going to be really really tough, I imagine. So let's let's switch gears to the to the other to the other opinion. Um, uh, let's see here. I had a quote. So on the on the one where uh, conservatives are cheering, uh, we have reason for concern as well. But let me read this quote. It says this this was the majority opinion on on that one. And it says if administrative agencies seek to regulate the daily lives and liberties of millions of Americans, they must at least be able to trace that power to a clear grant of authority from Congress. <laughs> Who wants to go? Anything wrong with that? Yeah, there's there's a lot that's wrong with Where that. Where does one begin with that one sentence alone? I mean, no, the Constitution doesn't give Congress the authority to not even if every if it gets through. No, I mean, there is no authority for Congress to mandate vaccines or even to regulate uh, private businesses. I mean, it's a state, local, and individual matter. You know, Article 1, Section 8 doesn't, you know, delegate any of that to Congress. And the 10th Amendment makes it very clear, crystal clear, that it's, you know, it goes to the states or to the people. So, you know, when the Supreme Court says, you know, okay, you know Biden can't do it unilaterally, but Congress can, well, that's totally off. I mean, Congress doesn't even have the authority to do that either. Yeah, it's almost it's it's as if the Supreme Court is saying that Congress is an oligarchy; they can do whatever they want, and because they haven't chosen to do this, uh, then it can't happen. But if and when Congress chooses to give this power based off of nothing except the fact that Congress can simply pass it, mm-hmm. uh, then it would be okay. That's basically what the court just said. So, in other words, the Supreme Court uh, stealthily expanded the federal government's power, practically. No, but long-term, yes. So is the Supreme Court essentially saying if Congress expands the power of, say, OSHA, uh, who was going to be the the compliance Gestapo for this, and says that you can do this and Congress agrees to it, then then it's totally okay. That's what it said in the opinion. Yeah. So the ball is now in Pelosi and Schumer's court. Let's cheer for that one. Wow. Well, and let's talk about OSHA. We we had a campaign 
Uh, OSHA came out in in the 70s. Was it right in 1970, I believe? Yeah, uh, 1972, I believe. The law was passed in 1970, and the agency 70. was created in 71. Okay. Okay. Uh, here at the John Burr Society, we've never been fans of OSHA, have we? No. We, uh, <laughs> like you mentioned, we had the campaign back then to uh, nix on OSHA, uh, play on names because Richard Nixon signed mm-hmm. it into law uh, in December 29th, I think, or December 20-something of 1970. Uh, uh, so... Yeah, we, we've, we've been wanting to get rid of it because, you know, the way we view OSHA is um, it's it's another form of, of, of totalitarianism. It's another form of, of the same kind of uh, thing we saw have play, kind of play out in communist Russia or um, you know, fascist Italy and then Nazi, you know, national socialist Germany where the government was telling businesses how to operate. I mean, this is what totalitarian – you can't spell totalitarian without the word total. In the beginning of it, and OSHA is the largest um, agency uh, of the federal government that was that was created up until that point in history, regulating essentially every aspect of business and what occurs in business. Um, and they come in with these requirements that, in in, in in certain cases, are a hindrance on the performance of those businesses. And OSHA puts so much, just like even Medicaid for hospitals that take Medicaid, um, the idea of a government safety agency maybe sounds good to some, but w- the reality is that government safety agency or a government healthcare system uh, it comes with a lot of paperwork. So if you want to be OSHA compliant, if you're a large company, a, you know, a Fortune 500 company, you can afford the teams of lawyers to, to read through the, all the rules and regulations of OSHA to make sure you're in compliance mm-hmm. as much as possible. You can hire a team of accountants to make sure that you're paying for all the things that OSHA is requiring you to purchase to run your business. Um, I mean, you can afford to absorb the costs of implementing those, but you have a little small business, mom and pop uh, business with a handful of employees, you know. Uh, They don't have the time to read through all of OSHA's regulations to know that they're in compliance or not. And the government, you know, with OSHA, they can come in and shut down a business almost unilaterally yeah. for not complying, or maybe not even shut them down unilaterally, but put a bunch of fines and and, and fees that essentially ends up that there. essentially uh, ends up putting them back. So it's the best way to avoid uh, being under the thumb of OSHA is just not to get into business to begin with. Right. Uh, and of course, what happens in that situation when you're forced out of uh, doing a thing you loved, forced out of the the, the passion that you 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 poured so much of your heart into. Uh, well, then, then, then the next thing left is to go in the government dole and accept uh, welfare. So the idea is to put government in control over everyone's life through one way or another. So for this reason, we want to abolish OSHA because it is an example of, of government tyranny. Let's not – yeah, I mean, they essentially make laws, and, and there's several you know, constitutionally minded, whether it be legislators or pundits, who, who make this very – obvious point and I think it gets lost is this is a regulatory agency that makes laws that are never voted. Congress doesn't vote on these laws. So by having an, uh, an institution like uh, an agency like OSHA, they go now that they have permission to exist, so-called, you know, Congress approved the act to, to, to create them, they go out and they make laws. And they make laws for people to follow uh, that, or else, or else, like you said, not be in business or never start a business. Uh, I, I doubt we, we have information in, in, in 
and correct stats of how many people, there's no way obviously to gauge how many people have been prevented or have decided, man, with all the, and they're probably not even thinking, OSHA, they're just thinking, there's all this red tape. It's so difficult to start a business. I'm just not going to do it. There's no telling with, uh, with these regulatory agencies how many have been stopped. It makes you wonder what would American history... What would it be? Huh? What would it look like if OSHA had never existed? If the law was never passed, uh, never signed into law, uh, how many more businesses would exist today? How much more efficiency you would see in the market that we don't see? How much less things would cost? How much less it would cost a Build a brand yeah. new home if you didn't have to work with all these. You're gonna make me cry. You keep talking. <laughs> it's like because they do this. They do. It's not just OSHA. How many regulatory agencies do we have? And they just keep in, and they're always telling us, "Follow these rules. Do this. Do that." And you know that wasn't the magic of America. That part of the magic of America, why people came as an as an immigrant myself, you know, was that. There wasn't all these rules. Everywhere else you go, these tyrants are just, you know, prospering. And we're like, hey, there's a place out there that doesn't just doesn't sit there and tell you how to, you know, how to what to do in every aspect of your life. Yeah, I mean, these agencies are really destroying our country and destroying our our liberty. <clears throat> you know, and they're, you know, and also there there's no constitutional basis behind many of them. What about other Christian, I was just going to say, what made America great is the spirit of individualism. And what we're seeing with OSHA is a spirit of collectivism, the exact opposite. Now, what about, are there other aspects of our, did you want to add, Peter, some before I move on? Are there other aspects, uh, like, like with healthcare, where the government, the federal government, is where they should not be? There's a lot. <laughs> Tell me. Go on. A few, a few things. Uh, one is uh, school vouchers, uh, which isn't necessarily so much federal government as it is just government in general, where they'll give money to parents in order to pay for tuition for like a private school or homeschool, you know, things like that. You know, and it sounds like, you know, it sounds good on the surface because, you know, hey, you know, if a parent gets money, they can send their kids to something other than a public school, but in reality, it's very dangerous because then the government can attach these conditions mm -hmm. to that. So, especially to the schools that accept the vouchers, they have to fit a certain criteria. Yeah. So even the private school, the charter school, or whatever the school is, the alternative yeah. school, has to sort of mirror what the public government schools are teaching as required by the state or the or, or by the federal government in some cases. Yeah. So school vouchers really are um, you know, a really dangerous thing, and they're becoming more and more common now. Right, because people are realizing that public school is toxic, but they found their way to get in through school vouchers and other programs. So long as there's any federal money tied to it, they're going to sneak their way in, huh? Mm -hmm. So it sounds good, but it's really a false solution that could do a lot more harm than good, at least in the long term. And this is a false solution? That's promoted primarily by Republicans because you know you have three perspectives here. You have the far left status Democrats who don't even want vouchers because they just want your kids to be in the public school system, or they want to heavily regulate the alternative so they mirror the public schools. Either way, they want your child to get public school style education. That's the status Democrats. Mm -hmm. The Republicans say, well, we can keep all these government programs, but we can manage them more efficiently mm -hmm. for semblance of freedom by having things like vouchers. For example, then you have our perspective, the Birch perspective, the Americanist constitutional perspective that says 
there shouldn't even be public schools. Plus, look how bad they are to begin with. Um, uh, you, you look at the Bible, and it instructs parents to raise their children. So in an ideal society, parents are in charge of their children's education, not the state, mm-hmm. as in state governments, or even the federal government. It should be up to parents and local communities. And we oppose vouchers because the government shouldn't, in the first place, even be taking the taxes uh, to support a public school system or vouchers. Uh, I mean, as constitutionalists, we don't even think there should be um, property taxes to begin with. I mean, either you own the property or you're renting it. It, the, it, it, it's one or the one. It's one or the other. And that's exactly what you have in communist China, where uh, in communist China, uh, you don't. You no one owns the land. You rent it from the government, and you make payments right. on that land that's owned. How is that different than property taxes? It's really the same concept with a different color and a different facade over mm-hmm. how it's implemented and how it looks. So there shouldn't be property taxes. There shouldn't be public schools. Um, you sound like a radical. How, I know. I sound so <laughs> radical. The idea of freedom is just is is. It is, is radical. radical. It is it, radical because we, especially in the, in the age of totalitarianism, which is where we live in today. We have veered so far away. You know, speaking of property taxes, uh, there are a lot of people who end up losing their homes simply because they cannot pay. You know, there's people who've owned their homes. There's instances where people have owned their homes and they end up losing them. For instance, if they fall back on their taxes. So it's like, like you say, how is that owning if you could still lose it after you've paid it off? I mean, that's, an, that's just a, an example of, of how far off we are with our views of, of liberty. It's, it's just, what, what, any other areas? What about the... There, there is one huge issue, uh, which is our federal grants to the states, which cover a huge number of different topic areas. But really, that combined is massive because state governments with the revenue are extremely dependent on the federal government. You know, for example, you know, where we're speaking in Wisconsin, you know, over 26% of Wisconsin's revenue comes from the federal government. And Wisconsin is one of the least dependent on the federal government. I was going to say that. I, I lived in a state that, that took more than it put out as far as... Yeah, and that, you know, that dependency has huge uh, consequences. You know, we could talk about all different sorts of policies. You know, one, one relatively recent one, um, and not super recent, but somewhat recent, was in uh, 2015 when the Obama administration, the Department of Housing and Urban Development, they released their uh, Fair Housing Administrative Regulation that essentially tied federal like transportation grants to the state and local governments based on uh, their zoning policies. You know, specifically, are they are the states uh, doing everything possible to social engineer the suburbs mm-hmm. to you know make it you know ethnically diverse and you know just silly things like that. Yeah. You know, so this, this the states weren't at legally forced to do this, but it was tied to federal funding. So, in effect, pretty much every state and every local government really had to comply with that, and, th- and many of them did. They're free not to comply to it, but they're not free when it comes to choosing the consequences for not, 
for not willingly obeying the federal government, essentially. That's yeah. the argument that's made with the vaccine mandate. Well, well, technically it's not because, you know, as an employer, you can um, you can be tested, of course, at your own cost, and then you have to, to wear a mask and whatnot. And they make it sound like uh, it's their choice. These, these aren't mandates, but they put you in this place. It's like but they punish you for not obeying. Right. It's the, it's the absolute coercion. It's one degree away from from yeah. basically having. You know, um, yeah, this, this was the same thing with Obamacare. Uh, the same thing. Yeah. Right. Well, you don't you don't have to, you know, but then you got to pay care. But then there's this huge uh, penalty. Yeah. The it's, penalties are yeah. increasing year after year. It's 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 completely asinine. What about police departments? Is is there any tie? You know, I think that that I would imagine that's that's an aspect. Yeah, I mean, the federal government has been been increasingly uh, taking over what really should be uh, controlled by local governments. You know, and there are a lot of grants involved with policing, and you know, once again, you know, they attach these conditions. You know, the police departments have to do such and such, mm-hmm. and, you know, adopt such and such policies in order to get the funding. And if they pursue their own policies, they won't be funded. So in reality, you know, many of them choose to uh, do whatever the federal government tells them to do. And it's really just one step towards a federalization of police, uh, which is something that the, that the John Birch Society has been warning about since its creation. Right. And like the judges said, you know, you could you could substitute... Uh, those who have healthcare facilities for police departments, for uh, schools or whatnot, anyone that wishes to to receive these funds have to uh, have to satisfy a host of conditions, and that's just I'd imagine that's across the board, and and that's the intention. So 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 what do we? What do, what do we do? First of all, are there any options for healthcare workers who are now? Uh, apparently thousands of them, 25 to 35 percent of them, uh, are in a tough spot. You know, is, are there any options? Or are they are they pretty much out of luck as far as um, they're either going to have to take the vax or move on? I think what we need to see is the citizens of this country stand up for, for nurses. You know, last year nurses were heroes. This year uh, they're zero, as many of them have been saying in their protests, you know, against these mandates. Uh, well, we need to have an effort of, of concerned citizens activated, putting pressure on their state governments to uh, not abide by this at their state. Even, even if you live in collectivist New York, mm. we need to see citizens go to Albany, urging their legislator, putting the fear in those legislators that you you should nullify these actions by the government. We also need to apply the same pressure on members of Congress House and the U.S. Senate and even the White House phone lines, putting pressure on them not to proceed with these uh, uh, mandates. Um, we need to uh, remove them at the federal level. We need to get the states to not enforce them, and we need to have um, you know the local governments do what they can to shield the residents of their states mm-hmm. from being forced to comply with this compulsory, unconstitutional. Um, federal stipulation. So that's that's something that needs to be done. Otherwise, nurses are, are going to be forced to mm-hmm. get this jab um, if they wish to continue nursing in um, in the majority of America's medical facilities. Isn't the uh, Florida government trying to nullify the, the Fed's vax mandate? Florida has passed several uh, really good bills this year uh, to prevent forced vaccinations and uh, his administration announced that they won't be doing anything to um, 
comply with that so they will not be complying with Well, that's with a great example, right? Mandate. That's what you're talking about. Yeah. States need so to do. states need to follow the lead of Florida. And it really regard. illustrates we, we, we need to put a lot of effort into you know, influencing our leaders to you know, not uh, give in to you know, the federal bribes. Yeah. You know, do these policies and we'll give you money. You know, they, 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 they need to stand strong against those pressures. And if they don't, we need to uh, vote them out and elect leaders who mm. will actually, who actually believe in the U.S. Constitution and who believe in individual freedom. Mm. So encourage our state legislatures to nullify these federal mandates. Any, anything else? Well, there's also a bill in Congress to abolish OSHA. It's called Is there? The, yep. It's called the NOSHA Act. It's uh, sponsored by uh, Representative Andy Biggs along with a few other representatives. Huh. And if it's enacted, it's a really short bill. It's just one page long. Nice. But, if it's but if it's enacted, it would totally abolish OSHA and you know, take us back to how we were before uh, that unconstitutional agency was mm. created. So Congress needs to pass that. And everyone needs to call their congressman you know, and tell them, you know, support this bill and pass it. Yeah, we can't become complacent uh, because the majority of Americans, I mean, not the nurses, but the majority of the other, Amer other Americans uh, now don't have to, you, right. know, uh, you know, get vaxxed because the Supreme Court like, oh, I'm ruled out of the woods. temporarily in their favor. Because right. as we discussed earlier, that could change by an act of Congress. Uh, and that act of Congress all depends on what powers they give OSHA. So we really need to get rid of OSHA altogether. If OSHA's gone, I... I, I can't really begin to describe how much better that would be for our country in terms of moving the direction of, of freedom. There's this mentality that many people have adopted that unless the government cradles us uh, from, from birth mm -hmm. to death that uh, we're just going to burn ourselves. And, right. of course, there's always people who make mistakes. Mistakes naturally uh, occur mm -hmm. in the workplace and so forth. But um, OSHA does more harm than it does uh, good ultimately. And we would be better off of a society without having the government telling us right. how to do every aspect of our lives and uh, controlling uh, even our own bodies at this point. I mean, the idea was with OSHA that they're going to go into the workplace mm -hmm. and make that safe. Now OSHA, in the view of Biden, he wants OSHA to be able to say what goes into your human body. Forget about the workplace. Now right. your human body is the property of the government. Right. That's... I mean, you know, it's, 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 it's one thing being in the military and being told you have to get, you know, a malaria shot before you get deployed to the Middle East or Africa or the Pacific or whatnot. And, you know, e even that in itself is, uh, I would say, uh, too much government power. But we're talking about U.S. citizens who are not government employees or not the property of the government. Uh, if, if things like this are allowed to stand, uh, there's no telling how far the federal government will go. Once you give the government uh, an inch, it takes uh, not just a mile, it takes the, 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 whole, the whole acreage and, and, and more. Clearly it has no problem yeah. doing that. And as I had mentioned, perhaps the saddest thing is that we have so many people, such a large segment of the population, that don't see how dangerous and insane this is. Uh, you have so many people who are like, who've been so scared and, and propagandize that they are totally okay because they're okay with forcing others to put this thing in their body. And, 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 and that's just, that's obviously crazy. Uh, we have veered so far away from the concept of what liberty means.
Part of the problem is that so many Americans don't know what's in the Constitution. Why is it that Peter and I, or, or anyone at JBS and the New American, has to repeatedly say it's not authorized in Article <laughs> 1, Section 8? You know why we repeatedly say that? Because the majority of Americans, mm-hmm. especially the grand majority of yeah, those yeah. in government, don't know what the Constitution says. It's mm-hmm. not taught properly mm-hmm. in schools if it's taught at all. Because uh, when it is taught, it's usually mm-hmm. usually what they're teaching is, is Supreme Court case law, or they're misrepresenting it. You have some teachers saying, oh, the Constitution is an organic living document, so it can do whatever it wants over time. And right. they, they misrepresent or teach wrongly Article 6. They say the Supremacy Clause allows the government to do whatever it wants. So we're, we're getting bad education or no education about the Constitution. So it really, it, it goes back to basics. It goes back to educating the American people um, the principles of freedom and our founding documents, because that's the basis for the, the government we have. Why do people talk about the threats to our democracy? Because they don't realize that, that we're, we're not a democracy. Who cares mm-hmm. about threats to our democracy? We don't have a democracy, so there shouldn't be any threats to our democracy because we don't have a democracy. Uh, but there are threats to our republic, and there's threats to liberty and freedom because we don't know what those are. And that needs to be taught. And the John Birch Society exists not just to fight against the deep state, the conspiracy, international communism, and international collectivism. Yes, we're here for that. But we also exist to educate the electorate about those key principles of freedoms. And I would suggest to everyone watching this, if, you, if, you're, if this is your first uh, dose of the John Birch Society, you have to watch uh, Overview of America. It is a great starter tool on the principles of freedom that you can watch in 30 minutes. Uh, it's... it's, it, it's I can't recommend that uh, more than anything else. In fact, Overview of America is so good that it's part of the first, it's the majority of the first episode of Robert Brown's uh, Constitution is Solution Workshop. So if you've already seen uh, Overview of America, then then proceed to watch the second disc or the second video, which is available for free on jbs.org, actually, right. to watch of uh, Robert Brown's um, Constitution is Solution series. That's where we really, we need to go back to uh, the basics of educating the American people what the Constitution says and, and, and you know, and, and the, the principles and value of having limited government. It's, it's really a good thing. It's not a scary thing. We shouldn't fear limited government. It's a radical like the thing. Left does. It's radical now. That Freedom is, is radical. Yeah, yeah. It should be. It's, it's amazing. What about you, Peter? I know I was going to give him the last word, but <laughs> you look like you might want to say something. Well, as Christian said, education is, you know, the most important thing we have to do because you know, if we don't educate people and teach them what the Constitution actually says and teach them about mm. the principles of individual freedom and personal responsibility, if we don't teach people that, then we're never going to save our country. Right. You know, so we got to do that. We, we can't be complacent. You know, and if we're not complacent, if we actually work hard to do that, we can and will save our country. We're such a broken record. Yeah, well, <laughs> we are. Well, you know, for, for those who, are, who say, I've already seen Overeve America... 15 dozen times, and I've, you know, I, I, I've watched uh, uh, the Constitution as a Solution series three times already, uh, but you're still upset about how your neighbor's voting. Well, have you kindly approached your neighbor or your you relative, the crazy left-wing liberal relevant say, just watch this overview of America. You're probably not going to agree with it at first, but please watch it and, and think about it or something. You know, the point is we should be, you know, like the church believes in discipling and creating more converts. Mm. Birchers need to be doing the same thing. We need to be discipling Americans yeah. about the principles of liberty. So we're frustrated that the people around us um, are, aren't, do, aren't voting the right way when we know mm. a lot 
about liberty in the Constitution, then it's our job to help educate other people who have not been birched, so to speak, uh, to bring them up to speed, to educate them. I mean, right there it says, freedom is the cure. I mean, it, it's, it's basic, it's simple. So we know what the cure is, so it's up to us as, as pharmacists of liberty to pass out uh, that prescription of freedom. I love it. That's uh, great. To those around us. <laughs> and education begins with you know, our children and with our families. You know, so you gotta do that. And there are so many uh, you know, parents that I know whose kids you know, totally you know, go off the, uh, you know, on, on the left wing. Mm. You know, even though the parents are conservatives, you know, why is that? Well, you know, I don't want to generalize too broadly, but I think a lot of it is parents yeah. not taking uh, too much of an, in, an initiative to educate their children on you know, these important principles. So we gotta be doing that too. And it's never been easier to to access these vital tools. I mean, just on, at JBS.org alone, we have so much material that you can you can watch for free. We have PDFs of, uh, of various material that you can download. It's never been easier. That's right. It's never been easier to be uh, in JBS, to be active, or to be educated no. by JBS. I mean, imagine being in the John Birch Society like in 1965, 64, around that period of time. And, you know, you have to call up a coordinator uh, through the phone, you know, and, and ask him to, to come on down to your area and, mm. and, and host a meeting where they bring the big reel, show the film, and, and, and all the costs involved with, with, you oh. know, with, with all of that. Uh, imagine now, you, with, your, with your smartphone even, with your tablet, with your home computer, yeah. you go to the public library if you don't have any of those things and you just, you know, get some time on the computer there, and you can watch these videos uh, that we have there for free. You don't have to order a, a bulky VHS for twenty nine ninety nine like we used to sell back in the 90s or whatever. You can watch our videos now for free right. on jbs.org. Even the Constitution of Solution, which you can buy or watch for free. Yeah, you don't have to buy the disc. I mean, discs yeah. are becoming outmoded anyway. Well, gentlemen, thank you so much. Uh, thank you for coming on and, and sharing your, your wealth of knowledge and, and your excitement for this. So till next time. Well, folks, we have a lot of work ahead. And so please join us in our epic mission to restore America. As our founder, Robert Welch, liked to say, education is our total strategy and truth our only weapon. It's time to become a people who know what it means to be free. And it's time for every patriot to get involved in the fight in one way or another. You can sign up for our legislative alerts so you can know and act against unconstitutional legislation. And you can check out our myriad of educational materials, which we just mentioned, and share them with others. And when you're really ready to get plugged in into action, you can join thousands of other patriots in the John Birch Society who've been in the trenches of activism for decades. We have links in the description below to help with all of that. Thank you for tuning in, and God bless you.